Turn around and say hi to somebody, hello to someone, yes, and just be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We are in the book of Ephesians, where we will be for some time. We have just got it, gotten started in the book of Ephesians. It is uh, in chapter number one that we find ourselves tonight, and Jesus will outshine them all. Dr. Jerry Falwell, senior, when he was alive, wrote back in the mid-1980s that believers have experienced God's mighty power. And as we come to the scripture tonight, we're going to begin at verse number 19. We closed out last week in Ephesians 1, 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, how he opens our hearts and our eyes to truth. And uh, he wants us to know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And He also wants us to know, as it says here in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, word, who believe according to the working of His mighty power. The exceeding greatness. It's about power. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power enough to save Every lost sinner who repents and comes to God through Christ. There's power enough to transform every every ruined life, every wrecked individual, every ruined reputation. He can can cleanse and make whole. There's enough power to keep. There's enough power to, uh, to be with us no matter what through thick and thin. And I'd like to restate what Dr. Falwell said as he wrote on this subject. And I'd like to put it in my own words. There's enough power to save you. Put it down to save you. Number two, there's enough power to sanctify you and set you apart for service. And number three, there's enough power to secure you so that neither height nor depth nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Believers have experienced and are experiencing and will continue to experience the mighty power of God. It's spoken of as exceeding greatness of His power. It's similar to the word megaton. Megaton. When you think of a, of a, of a super nuclear weapon that just, I mean, just, you can't even measure how great and explosive that power is. That's the exceeding greatness of His power. The first word power in this verse is the word dunamis. Dunamis. It means dynamic or dynamite power. And we've got that available to us. So in any situation, which is a grave situation, which is stacked against us, when, when, uh, when it doesn't appear that there's any way out, when it doesn't appear there's any way that we can win, the Lord loves those kinds of situations because He provides exceeding great dunamis, dynamic power. And He loves to deliver us. He loves to get us out of the lion's den and the fiery furnace and and uh, the, uh, the Red Sea, He loves to get us out and through and over. And, and uh, after it's over with, guess what? We give Him the glory. We praise Him. He wants His people to be praising people, exalting people, worshiping people, lifting up the name of Jesus. He's worthy of all of our praise. And so He gives us that kind of power, that power according to the working of His mighty power. Now, the second word power has to do with something else. It has to do with government. It has to do with authority. It has to do with who's in charge. Because he's in charge, 
the great explosive power that He gives us results in our ending up on the winning side. We've read the back of the book, and guess what? We win. We know who's going to win in the end. We know that Jesus Christ is in charge. He said, all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And therefore, on that basis, He has commissioned us to go and to preach the gospel and to baptize and to teach and to make disciples and to raise up the work of God in this world until He calls us home. And with our everyday experiences and with our extraordinary experiences, both the common and the uncommon, He wants us to give Him the glory. He wants us to serve Him no matter where you find yourself. Well, I was in one of those down days today, preacher. Well, I, if I had left... If I left it with the flesh today and let, instead of with the Savior, I'd have, I'd have had a down day because mom went to heaven and I won't be able to talk to her. I remember when dad went to heaven. It was always my habit to pick up the phone and call him and tell him about our day and tell him about our week and tell him about uh, what happened in church and tell him about what Jesus did. And I went to pick up the phone and then I remembered he's not there. He's gone higher. And if I were... Re we're depending, if I was depending upon my flesh, I'd have had a down day. But thank God I don't have to have a down day. Because I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. I'm looking unto the one who knows perfectly what to do. He knows when to do it. He knows how to do it. If we leave it with Him, He's Lord of all. He's Lord of our life. And He's the one who makes all those decisions and those choices and praise the Lord. Through Him, we've got exceeding greatness of His power uh, and uh, the working of His mighty power, His authority, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. The right hand, the right hand, okay, the right hand, for all of you out there, the right hand, this would be this side, the right hand is the hand of approval. It is the hand of authority. It is the hand of blessing. And Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. When He finished everything, He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now you sit down and I sit down when the work is done. Jesus finished. He declared it finished. He said, tell us to die. He said, it's, it's paid for. It's done. It's a done transaction. He said, it's finished. And He sat down because the work was finished. It was done. The cross... The empty tomb, the finished work of Jesus Christ, we see the resurrection power. So we have available to us this power, this mighty power, which He wrought in Christ. So it's in Christ. And where are we? We are in Christ. That's what the first chapter says. We are in Christ. You see that? All through, in whom we have redemption through His blood. In whom, in whom, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance. Verse 11. So verse 7, verse 11 all the way through there, in whom, verse 13, ye trusted after that, ye heard the word of truth, all the way through, you see, in whom, in whom, we are in Christ. We, that's, that's our spiritual address. We are in the heavenlies, in Christ. We're associated with Him. And because of that, in Him, wrought in Christ, we have available to us that mighty power of the resurrection, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that. Christ arose. He ascended. He sits enthroned. That's it. He sits enthroned. 
And there we are with Him, spiritually positioned in heavenly places. When we realize that, that ought to cause us to worship and praise Him continually. He is above all else, as it says in verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now I realize that in terms of substance, there's more material in verse number 21 than we have time to preach tonight. But he is far above, far above all principality. Now that word principality indicates uh, those that might be involved in human government here and those who are involved in the spiritual warfare that is unseen right now. As I'm speaking tonight, a great battle has, uh, has begun and being fought. It's being fought here. You can't see it. You can't see the dust or hear the sounds or, the, or smell the smells that are going on with, the, with the, the battle that's taking place. But there is a great spiritual battle that is taking place right now. When you face your challenge today or this week at work or at home, or in your relationships, there was a great spiritual battle going on behind every misdeed, behind every sin, behind every challenge, behind every problem. There is a spiritual battle going on in the unseen world. And what we are part of, what we see with our five senses, is greatly limited. It is limited only to that which we in our frail humanity can experience in the moment, here and now, but it is, it is not of the greater and larger consequence, which is both spiritual, unseen, and eternal. Right now, a battle is going on. It's going on and it has to do with your testimony. It has to do with your trust, your faith, your, your dependence upon God's grace. It has to do with, uh, with the decisions and the choices that you're going to be making uh, this night and tomorrow and the next day and the next. Those decisions need to be those which honor and glorify the Lord. And we can be at perfect peace in those choices and decisions, in those alliances, in those relationships, in the, 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 the friends that we make and the separation that we exercise because God demands that we be holy and we be a separate people and come out from among them. We don't have to be nasty in our attitude about it. You can have a sweet spirit. You can have a godly, Christ-like attitude, but you can separate from those things that Christians ought not to be involved with. And you can stay away from those places where Christians ought not to go, where your testimony is going to be compromised, where you're going to be called into question, and you're not going to be prepared, spiritually sound, to give an answer uh, of the hope that lies within you. Now, God has promised us, as long as we trust and obey and yield to Him, He's going to guide and direct us the Spirit of God is going to guide us through the Word into all truth. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to our heart. And when He speaks to our heart, we were just talking about this today, we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We want to hear Him when He says, you know, take that pocket of tracks and, and talk to that whole group of people standing out there. They're all social distance. We'll walk up to them and hold your arm out. Now, how many of you, as you hold your arm out, is that almost three feet? If I hold my hand out, and he holds his hand out, I can hand him a track and still maintain social distancing. That's a joke, folks. You can laugh. You can smile. Your face won't crack. 
Amen. We can do the will of God, but we need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and His guidance and His direction. If you're in the Word every morning or every day, whenever you're designated times to be with the Lord, you're, you're in it and you're communing with the Spirit, even a portion of a verse can make a dynamic difference as you follow His leadership, as you trust Him and as you obey. As He says something and you step out in faith, and it's like Peter stepping out of the boat. A lot of people want to criticize Peter for sinking but he still holds the world's record for water walking. And he stepped out of that boat, and so can you. Whatever your boat is, you need to step out of it by faith. You need to follow the direction of the Lord. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to do something bold. I want to do something, as I've said so many times, and you want to do something, uh, as, as you've heard it so many times from me, something that's so extraordinary and something that is so special that apart from the, the empowerment of the Lord, this power that He gives us, it would never be accomplished. Why? Because he has that greater power. That greater power is, is not just for us to look at, but for us to experience. I've told you that Bob Birdsong, Mr. Universe, two years running back in the 1970s. Uh, Mr. Uh, Universe was our acquaintance. We got to know him through, through uh, Jay and Sally, who were their best friends. And uh, Bob Birdsong, I mean... I'm, you talk about muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. He came to our, to our church and he was fully clothed and he gave a testimony. And, uh, and it's just amazing. But I found out later, Jay told me this, his best friend. He said he, he got him some side work. And they were out there and they were pushing wheelbarrows and they were stacking blocks and they were clearing some, some areas away on a, a piece of, of ground. And he said, never saw a worse worker than Bob Birdsong. Now he's Mr. Universe. Muscles on top of muscles, but he can't even handle a wheelbarrow. So, so muscle-bound, couldn't even walk straight. And the strength and the power that we have in Jesus Christ isn't just for looking at. The power and the strength of Jesus Christ is for living. It's for living. Try that on for size. I know what I'm saying tonight just makes the devil, the world, and the flesh angry, and that's okay. By the time I'm through, they're going to be in a tizzy. That's all right. That's okay. His power is far above all principality. So you get human governments and they say, well, we're going to pass these laws. God's greater. They, they say, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna raise these taxes. God's richer. Doesn't matter what principalities do, God is greater. And you get these spiritual principalities and they say, look at this power. And they make things float. Make things float. What does God do? He puts the planets out there rotating Circling. Now the devil, you know, he's, a, he's an imp. He's just a little imp. And he can make this thing float right over here, like there. But God put the planets out there. God put the stars out there. He built a universe that's got countless stars. Can't even count them. And they're all out there for a purpose, a divine purpose. And it's all perfectly balanced. And God knows exactly what he's doing. And God is all-powerful. And by comparison, the sa Satan can, can maybe juggle three balls at once. You know, he can maybe make something float from here to there, and that's it. But God can make the planet spin in exact and precise order. He can cause there to be days and months and years that are exact and precise because he's God. His power is greater. Don't you worry about what the world, the flesh, and the devil can do. You just stay tuned into the Lord and, 
and walk as He has us to walk and do what He has us to do. And He'll work out His perfect will. He is far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Not only that, but every name that is named. The name of Jesus. We sing a song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's that great name of power and authority. And so it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And it's in the name of Jesus that we claim the promises. And it's in the name of Jesus we come against everything that Satan raises against the kingdom. And we stand with the power that he gives us and the might that he gives us and the dominion that he gives us and, uh, and the prin principality, the authority that he gives us and the name that he has given us to name. And that name gives us the victory. That name enables us to win the battle. It's already been fought and and of course, uh, He is the one who is responsible for that. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. People will raise up great monuments to themselves and to their own government or to their own business or to their, their uh, mega effort. And, and they will put their name on a city. They'll put their name on a memorial. They'll put their name on a, a building or a park or a piece of ground. And they want everybody to remember that, that name. But the decades pass and then the centuries and, and the, the dust kind of blows the sand over the top of it and it's all forgotten because it is only for time. And it is as such limited. It is temporal. It is not eternal. The name of Jesus Christ is eternal. His power, His authority, His accomplishments are for eternity down deep inside of you and me, under all of this exterior. There is the real you, there is the real me. If you've not been saved, you need to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to come on in and, and uh, make alive that which is dead and turn in right side out, that which is uh, upside down and wrong side up, and uh, make it right. And what you will have is eternal life. You will tap into that which already exists, and uh, you will be part of something that has always been and will always be. And praise the Lord that we get to be a part of that. Even though we are creatures of this limited sphere of time and matter, we get to tap into that which is eternal and that which is perfect and that which is, I mean, going to go on and on and on and on long after all of the kingdoms of this world have been dissolved and are forgotten. And He hath put all things under His feet. I've read it and read it and read it and I can't get around it. I'm reminded of what happened, as it says in Romans chapter 16. I'm reminded of what the scripture says very plainly, that Jesus Christ, as Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3 came to pass in His great sacrifice, His resurrection from the dead. Yes, His heel, His heel was wounded, but the head of the tempter, the head of the evil one was crushed. And ultimately, in the most complete fashion, will be crushed and destroyed in the future. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're hoping for. We have no sympathy for the evil one. How many of you this week have had to shake your head because of some great wicked thing, wickedness that you've seen in the news or that you've heard about, some great awful terrible thing. You say, I can't believe that's going on in this world. What a wicked world. Come Lord Jesus. And then you say, I can't wait to get out of here. Someone called me today and very kindly expressed condolences. 
man of God called and said, our family extends all our condolences on the passing of your mother. And uh, I said, well, she's so much better, so much better off. And I envy her. And the way things are going around here, I'd like to join her. I'd like to be on the next load. And that's not God's will. As Paul said, it's more needful that I stay. It's needful that I be here. I'm caught betwixt the two. Uh, to, to be absent, to be gone, or wh whether to stay. And I know that that's what God has done. He's put me here. With all my frailties and all my failures and all my flaws, He still needs me and wants me to be here to serve Him. And so I'll be His vessel until ever uh, He's through with me and then, then I'm going to go on home. You know, it's grace that saved me and grace that's kept me and grace that's granted me these, the, these uh, extra years and grace will lead me home. So praise the Lord. I'm ready to go whenever He says to go. But in the meantime... Even though we want to be there, you know, our heart is there. Our heart is there in heaven, isn't it, with our loved ones? Our heart is there on the other side because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We've got a job to do, though. God wants us to be faithful. So did we do what God wanted us to do today? Did we do that? That's the question. He's put all, thing, all things under His feet and gave Him, gave Jesus Christ to be the head of over all things to the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Now as the pastor, I am merely the under-shepherd of Christ. Jesus Christ himself is the chief shepherd, according to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 4. We get our marching orders from the captain of our salvation, Hebrews chapter 2. The captain of our salvation is none other than Jesus Christ. Whatever he says is right. Whatever God's will is, is right. That's what we need to come to. It's not, Lord, I'm going to get you to sign on to my ideas. Now, you've all known somebody like that. Maybe you've been that person. Maybe you fit that, huh, that pattern as I'm speaking about it tonight. Some of you out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You come with your list and you say, now, Lord, here's my list. Just sign, sign at the bottom there, if you would, please. Just sign real neatly there, if you would. Just Lord Jesus Christ, sign there. Give me authority for what I want. Instead of what Jesus Christ did as he knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26 and he said, and not my will but thine be done. He didn't, he didn't want at any point, even as the God-man, to usurp the authority of the divine Father. He left it all in the Father's hands. And if Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, God in a body, would leave it all to God the Father to determine whatever his fate would be, whatever would happen, he would leave it with him. How much more should we as we are flawed creatures, how much more should we say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Shame on us for wanting our will. Shaming on, shame on us for, for trying to, to determine what Jesus Christ should be signing off on in our life. He's the head of the church. We are the body. And so there I am. I'm a little, I'm a little finger out there. I'm a, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a thumb. I don't know. Uh, a big toe, <laughs> an ankle, you know. Like the old song about, you know, the hip bones connected to, and, you know, we're part of the body. But the head calls the shots. Brother Gabe, you know this in wrestling. You know this from football. If I line up across from you, and I know this would be a mismatch, I know you would destroy me, Brother Gabe. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Brother Gabe's voice. Amen. And he's just as strong as that voice is, too. All right. I line up across from him, and, and he's, he's on... You play offensive line, did you? Some? Offensive line. What, what position did you play? 
center and guard. And so there I am. I'm the nose guard. Or, or maybe, maybe I'm stunting up there. Maybe I'm a I'm pity poor me. You know, maybe I'm a linebacker. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through there and I'm going to get to his quarterback. You know what? There's going to be there's going to be an immovable object in the way. His name is Gabriel. And he's going to stop me. He's going to absolutely stop me. Now, if, if, I, can, if I can move his head, see, because I can use my hands. I'm on defense. If I, can, if I can head slap him and move him, if I can move his head and he goes off balance this way, I can stunt right on through there and take out that quarterback or that running back. So he knows that. So he's been... He's been in the weight room, and he's been there for hours, days, weeks, working out, getting stronger, getting stronger, getting stronger. His neck has disappeared. All right? It's all muscle, one big muscle. And so I go to head slap him, like I'm going to go in, and my hand just kind of crumbles as I head slap him. He looks at me for just a split moment. I see it in his eye, just a little glimmer. And that's the last thing I see as he runs over me. If you can control the head, you got, you, you've won the game. That's it. If you can move that person, move that person, move that head. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. There is no moving him. There is no getting him to go some other direction. You that have attempted this, by taking the church of Jesus Christ and trying to change the church of Jesus Christ, trying to change His Word, trying to change His polity, trying to change what He has established. Shame on you. You can't move the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the head of the church. The body must be obedient. The body only functions as the head desires. And may we, as his body, respond properly to his divine headship. He's in charge. All things under his feet. All things. I want you to know how many things? All things. I want you to notice that the word things is in italics. It's there for understanding. Yes, it is part of the word of God. But in the underlying text, it was understood. He hath put all under his feet. There's nothing else but all. All covers it. That's it. Under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all. Notice things is in italics. Now, it's the word of God. I believe it should be there. In the English uh, Bible, it should be there. It's understood in the underlying text. Head over all to the church. All leaves, <laughs> leaves absolutely nothing for us to negotiate. Well, Lord, you know, what we as believers do in this world is kind of conditioned by the culture. How many times have you heard that? God has not called us to be changed by the culture. The power that we just read about, the power that we know is real, changes individuals who are part and parcel of the culture. And one soul at a time, the culture gets changed and lined up to the glorious will of the Father. Are you listening to me? Instead of trying to design some kind of a religious organization that matches up 
with the changing styles and fads and mores of the culture. We should instead be presenting Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world and one soul at a time. We change culture. Glory to God. The church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Now why does the Scripture say that? Why does it refer to the church, His body, as His fullness? It's because... The Lord Jesus Christ does not have a plan B. He has never had a plan B. I understand that when we're dealing with matters that are entirely temporal, you may have to have a backup plan. Jesus Christ has never had a backup plan. Jesus Christ doesn't need a backup plan. He's chosen you. He's chosen me that we should go forth and bear fruit and much fruit and that that fruit should remain. How many times do we have to emphasize that during this wonderful month of missions? Fruit. He wants us to be fruit-bearing believers. And He wants that fruit to be multiplied. And He wants that fruit to remain. And He wants that to glorify Himself. He has a right to do that. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Now people say, well, the church is wonderful. But you know what? I've also decided that I want to go to this extracurricular activity, this extra uh, parachurch, extra biblical activity. I want to be involved in this particular extra church, parachurch fellowship. I want to do this. I want to go to this. I want to go to that. There's plenty for us to be and to do within the boundaries of the local church. God doesn't need for us to go out and get creative and think about all the different things we can do out here when the work of God is to get folks saved, Great Commission, baptized, trained to go do the same thing. To win souls, see them get baptized, see them get discipled, and train them to do the same thing over and over and over again. Say, preacher, that sounds awfully simple. Well, we are awfully simple. And God has given us an awfully simple plan. It has never changed. There is no plan B. His church, plan A, is now and for all eternity. His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. I want you to think about it right now. Wherein do we find ourselves lacking? Wherein do we find ourselves falling short? Wherein have we held back? Have we kept back? Lord, I knew you were an austere master, and so I buried my talent in the earth. What happened to that wicked servant? Got cast out into darkness. You see, when you, when you get two or you get five, why you invest it. You invest it in this, this, great, this great sphere known as the world. The, the sphere of our field. Serving the Lord. Giving Him everything that we have. We have, we have uh, offered ourselves up and He fills us and He guides us and He directs us and the church ought to be the reflection of all this power and all this authority, the very name of Jesus, the very reputation of Jesus. When I, when I call a name, if it's a human name, obviously what comes to, to mind are the great accomplishments or the failures or the flaws or the shame. But with Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ, I want you to think about that. We represent Him. We've been called to be Christians, little Christs. 
We have His authority. We're to go into all the world. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. That begins under our own roof and in our neighborhood and among our family and friends and our acquaintances and at work and at school and wherever we are, we are to be a witness. Just look for that opportunity. Look for that server. Look for that checkout clerk. Look for that coworker. Look for that person where you can represent Jesus Christ. We are His ambassadors. We are to represent Him. We are to tell this lost and dying world that if God could save me, He can save you, and He wants to. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In this great first chapter of Ephesians, we read about the great mercy of God. We read about the grace of God. All of those come together in what? In us. Not in some inanimate object, not in some dry document that's been written on paper by man, but in this living book by the Holy Spirit through our life, manifesting to a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is everything that the Scripture says. Oh, yes, He is. He's the preeminent one. There's nobody else like Him. There never will be anyone else like Him. He's the all-time champion of love. He's the all-time champion of grace and of mercy. He is the one who transforms lives. He's doing it now. He wants to do it for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to me. Amen. May we be motivated to serve the Lord with gladness. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never received Christ, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And if you prayed that prayer and meant it tonight, would you slip your hand up high? Anyone at all? We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to sing a great, great song. And I'm going to invite you to make a decision to choose for Jesus right now. Let's all stand and sing together.